Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Tests are not there to fail you. They're there to prepare you and prove you for your destiny. So when Joseph is going through his tests, it's taking him from when he's a young lad with a dream and God's preparing him through these challenges to get to where he needs to be so that he can handle the miracle that's coming. And it's the same for you. God's got a purpose and a destiny for your life. And God's going to prove you and shape you and get you ready to handle what he's got coming. So... I'm going to talk, we're going to pick up the story of Joseph. So if you don't know, Joseph is um, like Joseph in the Technical Dream Co. It's that story. Um, and Joseph had a dream and he told his brothers and like all good family members, they shot him down. They said, who do you think you are to have such a great dream? And like all good brothers, they threw him into a pit and then sold him as a slave. Um, so a bit worse than just hanging him upside down over the banister, which is what happened to me. Um, so we meet Joseph and he's now a slave and he's in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And Potiphar's this really wealthy man and he's a, a slave in his house. And we pick up the story in Genesis 39 verse 6. I think it's going to come up on the screen. So Joseph was well built and handsome. Important to note, okay? So he's a good looking guy. And Potiphar's wife soon noticed him. In one version, it says she took longing looks. She looked, and she looked some more, and she carried on looking. And that was her first pitfall. (laughs) And she asked him to make love to her. But he refused and said. So you've got Joseph. He's a young lad. It's important to remember in this context that Joseph is a slave. He's got no hope really, of ever having any kind of sexual relationship. He's never going to have a wife because he belongs to someone else. So really, he could be thinking, well, it doesn't matter what I do. It's not going to make any difference. I had a dream once, but now I'm a slave. And really, what I do makes no difference to my future, my destiny. But Joseph was smarter than that because he knew God, and he knew that God was with him. And so he says, my master isn't worried um, about anything in this house because he's placed me in charge of everything he owns. He's remembering and reminding himself of his responsibility, his responsibility to the family, to the household, in his job. He's remembering, he's like, no, I've got responsibility. I've been put in charge. I've earned that trust. And then if we carry on, he says, no one in my master's house is more important than I am. So he's still a bit proud, got a bit of a thing going on. Um, And the only thing he hasn't given me is you. And that's because you are his wife. He's remembering who she is. She's not his to have. And the thing about when we talk about sin, another word you might have heard in the Lord's Prayer is trespasses. And when you trespass, you go on to something that isn't yours. And he's like, you're not my wife. You're not mine to have. He's reminding her who she is and that she's not his to have and who he is. And I won't sin against God by doing such terrible thing. The big overarching thing is that he knows that it does matter what he does in secret. It might not affect how he runs the household and does his job, but he knows it will affect his relationship with God and God's with him. And that's the most important thing that we can have is a relationship with God. And nothing 
is worth compromising that. And that's not to say that God's a, you know, if you do, then God's not then for you. God's always for you. He's always going to bring you back. He's always going to turn it into something good. He's always got a way because God is so good and he is so faithful. So there's no condemnation in this. But Joseph is so clear. He's like, if I'm going to get to where I'm going, the most important thing is that I have a relationship with God. And he's not prepared to compromise that. So, but she kept begging Joseph day after day. So she's now persisting. This is ongoing. It's not just a fleeting thought. This is now ongoing. But he refused to do what she wanted or even go near her. He's so sensible, Joseph. And I love the Bible because the Bible is really, is not naive when it comes to sex. And I think as a church, it's important that we're not naive. And so he understands that if he keeps sitting and being near Potiphar's wife, who I'm sure is very beautiful, and she's got lovely clothes, and she'll have lovely makeup, and she'll have made herself up, and she's, she's offering herself to this young lad. Got it, got it, we're there. He's painting the picture. <laughs> He's going to suddenly, his resolve's going to start fading. So very sense, he's like, I'm not going to go near it. He's avoiding it. And he's putting kind of some distance in there because we're not naive. Don't think that, he doesn't think, well, because I'm Joseph and I'm important and God's got a dream for me, nothing bad will ever come to me. So he puts in some distance and he says, but one day Joseph went to Potiphar's house to do his work. So he's on, he's on, he's on plan, he's doing his work and none of the other servants were there and Potiphar's wife grabbed hold of his coat make love to me and Joseph ran out of the house leaving a hanging on to his coat and we'll leave it there so he's run out of there and it's important the Bible says that you should flee and sometimes says you should keep fleeing from sexual things sometimes you're in a position and you think oh it's too late I, I can't I've forgotten the arguments I'm all a bit blurry and maybe had something to drink and she's there and now we're touching and just go just that that's the tip to go and why is this test important because what you do in secret and what you do when no one notices proves your character. And that's really important to know. And it's not that we're here to tell you what to do or to control your life. That's not it. I'm, honestly, part of me isn't bothered. But I know that what we do in secret, whether it's sex, whether it's food, whether it's lying, whether it's cheating, it all affects our character and it all ends up coming out in your work, in your relationships, in your family. And God loves you and he knows that lust leads to sin, leads to death and he wants to protect you from that. And that's why he's really clear. He's like, you know what? The best place for sex is in the context of marriage. And there's no condemnation that, but he's saying that is what's going to bring you the best. And if we look at 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about this. Again, I said the Bible is really explicit on sex, and it's not naive, and it's true. And that's why it's important to read it and understand it and talk about it. And in 1 Corinthians 6, it says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is much more, is much a spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, see, because sex is a God idea, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. The kind of sex that doesn't deliver what it promises and leaves you worse off than when you started. We move on. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. 
these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love. See, God's got a purpose for you. He's got good plans for you for becoming one. Joseph ended up a free man and with a wife, and he had two, and he had children, and he had a great life with her for becoming one with another. God's got a plan for you for another. And then here we go on. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? Dave said at the wedding, you have intrinsic value. And what you do with yourself, whether it's physically, emotionally, socially, that has impact. And you were, and Jesus bought you for a high, high price. And you have intrinsic value. And that's why we talk about it, because we know that we've got value. And I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. This is it. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. We often think, well, if I come to church and that bit of me where I raise my hands and I get the emotion, that's God. And then the other bit, the Monday to Friday, the bit that no one sees, that's not God. That's separate. That's physical. And that's not true. It says God owns the whole works. He's got plans for the whole thing. So let people see God in and through your body. The best piece of advice Ben and I got before we got married from Dave and Shelley was, again, not naive, realistic, you will have chemistry with other people. Be honest about it, and when your other half is honest, let the other person be kind. If you are in a relationship, have that conversation. Decide ahead of time, you know what, when this happens, this is how we're going to handle it, because we're not naive, like Joseph. We're not naive, and we want to protect ourselves, and you are worth more than that. So, that comes to the end of the purity test. I think it's, it's a funny one to talk on, because everyone's got lots of different experiences and comes from different places, and hear me right, there's no condemnation. God loves you, God's for you, and he's going to get you from your dream to your destiny, and these are just here to help you along the way. So there are some new faces here, so I'm just going to quickly introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name's James. That was powerful that just came from Lynn with the PRA test. And if you want another little bit of advice, if you want to do it, it to, to try and beat the purity test, I'm not a madman myself. I thought, let's keep distance, literally. I moved cities, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll beat it that way. But anyway, enough about me. So let's talk about the prison test. So the prison test is something that's quite personal to me. It's something that I've been through quite a few times. It's something I'm going through again now that I've moved down to London. Um, and when we're kind of reading the book, The Dream to Destiny, they, they mention in the book, it's probably the toughest test you can go through due to its length. Yeah. The fact that it's one of those which you cannot skip, you cannot shortcut, you've just got to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. There's been studies, there's no actual, um, they don't actually mention it in the story of Joseph in Genesis 39, but they, they be, there's studies that they believe that potentially the prison test is between a quarter to half of the 13-year journey that Joseph goes through. Wow. Which, so th th this is something we can't really skim over. Yeah. And, for, for, and the worst thing about it is Lynn kind of, Lynn's explained it of the fact that he's just passed the purity test. He's just done the thing. He's done the right thing for people. Um, for him, for him, people, for himself. <laughs> and, but the thing is, he ends up getting thrown in prison for it because he's accused of rape. Yeah. And this is the problem. And well, and 
to be honest, welcome to the purity test because this is where we, have, we, we suffer even though we've done the right thing. We're in a position or a situation like Joseph where he, he's somewhere which he knows he shouldn't be because he has done the right thing. Yeah. And even though, hopefully, none of us have been to prison, but we are in a literal prison in our heads. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a mental prison or a financial prison or something that we can't get ourselves out of. Yeah. We could relate it to my battles. Yeah. It takes one to know one. I mean, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> like it's mind battles. It's I can't I can't look after my finances. I can't budget well. Um, I'm constantly in and out of relationships. My job I'm never satisfied. I'm in something which I know I shouldn't be. Myself at the moment. My so as a personal story, mine is media. I want I want I, I like I like doing media. I like taking photos. I I do a bit of freelance photography every now and then. But my aim is to hit into the media industry. So I was like, you know. London's the place where it's at. And now we have the opportunity to move to London, to plant the church there. And that's, and that's going to kick off. We know that's going to kick yeah. off. But in my head, I'm thinking, God, I moved to London not only to plant a church, but to start in the media industry. But here I am. I'm now doing temp work, which, don't get me wrong, temp work, it is at Harrods. <laughs> <laughs> like, humble brag. I mean... <laughs> The, the thing, actually, completely side note, I know I'm going slightly off, but Harrods is, <laughs> Harrods has that kind, of, the name of Harrods is a bit like Jesus, it kind of, it, it switches people in a way, people are like, oh, oh this, is, this is a nice outfit, oh, it's from Harrods, oh, lovely, <laughs> but anyway, so, <laughs> but the, the, the worst thing about it is we feel like we're suffering even though we don't deserve it, so the, so the question is, we can't get ourselves out of the prison test, we have to go through it. And so we're going to go to Romans 5, verse, verses 3 to 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love is so, has been poured into, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yeah. And you can break that down. You can break that into four sections because you've got, and these are the things that you need that they're not like, they're not optional. You've just got, you've got to have them whilst you're going through it. You need there, there will be suffering, or as they say in other versions, tribulation. Yeah. There's, there's perseverance, character, and hope. Yeah. Yeah, very good. But if I could break that, this down into one point, if there's one thing that I could take from, if you were to take, to take away from this today, whether, whether you don't listen to anything at all, it's the same bit of advice that has been said to me throughout the years of being here, through people like Dave and Ben and Tom and Andy and all of the leaders. If there's one thing that I could recommend is just these, these two words, keep going. Keep going, regardless of what you think, think of your situation, regardless of what you're seeing, because we're soon going to realize that seeing is not everything, you have to keep going. You have to keep going, because if you do not keep going, you will not reach your destiny. You will fall short, and we see it too often, too often in our lives that we, we fall short because we, real, we, we, we change the jobs, we change the relationships, we, we, we borrow money when we shouldn't borrow money. And the reason is, is that we need to remember that God is in control. God is in control. He builds, he's, he's there, we're there so that he can build a lesson in us. Yeah. We're not, he, he doesn't put us like purposely in there because he's mean or he's nasty. But it's the fact that we need, we need to understand the, the points of it. So we're talking about suffering. Regardless of what you're going through, you're going to go through suffering. Jesus says there were two, the parable of two builders. One built his house on rock and one built his house on sand. Yeah. Now, even though there's the differences of where they build the houses, the same thing happens. The storm hits them regardless. Yeah, yeah, 
So whether you're in church or out of church, you need to understand that things are going to hit you. you. We need to learn to prepare ourselves. We need to build ourselves in faith. Yeah. We need to be in church even though we don't feel like we're in church. Yeah. So, and, and the storms will, will hit us. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance is placing ourselves in Christ. Placing ourselves on who we are. Yeah. And it gives us a peace which is, which is the gift of the Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's, it's important for us with that. But we need to remember, as I tried to say earlier, and I skipped ahead, that God is in control. God is in control, control of us. Now, God didn't actually put us in prison. Potiphar did. Potiphar put Joseph in prison. But God allowed him to do that because God knows that we need to learn something in our lives. We are not his full image. It takes Joseph 13 years to reach his destiny. So it's not instantaneous. And if there was a second point I was going to say, it's keep growing. Because if you keep going, you'll keep growing. Yeah, very good. It's, it's essentially that. Yeah. And because perseverance produces character, and character is what we need to learn to get to the next level. Yeah. We, need that in our, we need that as a way that we can trust God and not rely on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I went through like um, as soon as I was finishing uni was um, I wanted, because media was on my mind, I had the opportunity to go to uni with, um, to Salford with some friends. Wow. And we, they were like, look, James, this is the plan. We're going to get a house. We're going to um, move to Salford. We're going to hit Media City. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get careers. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'd just been in church at this point, and I was like, you know what? This is a done deal because this is what I want to do. This makes sense. I'm going to do it regardless. And I go to Ben. Ben, I'm off. I'm going to see, see you at Salford. Right, cheers, bye. And he goes, no. <laughs> you should stay in church wow. because planted in the house, they will flourish. Yeah. And, now, and, the, and, the, and the best thing about it is we have to, when we're going through the prison test, we have to understand that we are living by, um, by faith and not by sight. Yeah. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and, and it's essential because now what we can do is once you've been through the prison test, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Five years later, after being told I couldn't go to Salford, or I was advised not to go for Salford, I'm now moved to a city, now pursuing the thing that I wanted to do five years ago, but I'm in much better position where I am now than I was back then. I, if I had gone in Salford back then, I wouldn't, have, like, I wouldn't be in church. I'd, I'd probably be off the rails. And it's important that even though you're going through something at the moment, and you're in church and you're thinking, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't, like, I don't understand why I'm doing the same jobs week in, week out, serving week in, week out. But the real, but the, the, the importance of it is, is that it's growing inside of you. Yeah. Uh, God is working inside of you. And it's got, all of a sudden, it will be years upon years upon years of building. And then before you know it, it changes like that for you. Yeah. Joseph gets elevated out of prison. He's yeah. now next to the, he's now a prime minister. Yeah. It changes like that, but it takes years and years and years of journey to get yourself through that. Yeah. And we need to remember that God, that God is in control. Yeah. Finishing on this, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in your time, and it's in God's timing. Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hand you over to Val. Thanks, James. That was great. So, I'm Valerie, for anyone that doesn't know me. I'm normally up here doing worship, but I've got a week off this week, so I can come speak. So, I'm speaking about the prophetic test. Now, what does prophetic mean, I hear you ask? Well, um, (laughs) it's a difficult word. 
Um, so the dictionary definition of prophecy, which is the root word of prophetic, means um, a prediction of what will happen in the future. And I know that sounds a bit freaky, a bit like, ooh, Mystic Meg and a crystal ball. But in the, in the biblical sense, it's basically a word from God about your life um, that he might speak out over you either via a dream, and I'll come back to Joseph and his dream in a minute, um, or it might be someone um, who's just praying for you and they might get a word um, or a thought about your life. We know that God has a plan for our lives because it says in Jeremiah 29:11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So prophecies are God's sort of little sneak peek into what he's got planned for our future. So um, Joseph had a, had a dream that his brothers and his parents would bow down to him um, and he didn't know how that was going to happen. He didn't know in what capacity, um, but he knew that it was a dream or a prophecy from God. Um, now, James obviously just talked to us about the prison. So he was in prison and he could have just let prison take over him. He could have thought, well, I'm in prison now for something I've not done. I might as well just give up and just you know, stay here and not really bother. But he kept hold of the, the prophecy that he got from God that, no, people are going to bow down for you. You're going to be powerful one day, not knowing how, but something was going to happen. His destiny was still to come. So he wasn't going to stay in that prison. Um, so he had to keep on believing that God had this dream for him. So um, Prophecies can come via thoughts um, or dreams or from other people. So, like I said, someone might be praying over you and they get a word or a thought for your life. And it's good when, when if someone gets that, that they tell you because you might be thinking, oh, yeah, that's something that actually lines up with what I've been thinking or what maybe God's been saying to me or it might just resonate with you. Sometimes it might not and then maybe it isn't from God, but um, I've got three points. So the first one is, how do you know if you've received a prophecy and if it's from God? Well, you have to test it. Um, and that's because there's always a human element involved. So when someone says something over you, obviously that's coming from them as a person. They might have another thought in their head about your life that's actually from them, but they're disguising it as coming from God. And the same if we have a thought or a dream. Again, there's all our thoughts in there, you know, naturally as people we embellish things we add to it put our own slant on things so we have to test um whether it has come from god so how do we test that it's come from god um we check that it matches up with what it says in the bible um so i've had in the past um i've had a few people um speak over my life and um, it doesn't happen very often, these things, these prophecies don't happen very often, but you know, occasionally someone might be praying and a few times I've had this word boldness spoken over my life and growing up, I was always painfully shy as a teenager, you know, I'd never step out, I would never put myself forward for anything. Um, so bold is definitely not a word I would describe for my character. But this word kept coming um, since becoming a Christian, you know, it's kept on coming. So I looked in the Bible and 2 Timothy 1.7 says, um, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, or in other words, boldness, yeah. love and self-control. So it's in the Bible. It says we're not to have a spirit of fear or timidity, yeah. but he wants us to be, have power. He wants us to have boldness. Yeah. So I knew it was there. I knew it was in the Bible. So therefore, whenever I go into a situation now, 
I, I can sort of pray, God, give me boldness in this situation. And I find that, you know, it builds my character. It grows me to the point where I'm leading worship on a Sunday. I'm standing up here preaching. That is not something I would have done a few years back. And being in Global and being part of the Academy has massively brought this sort of characteristic out of me. So I'd encourage you to get on the Academy. <laughs> I keep coming to church. Um, now, the, other, the flip side of that is what if you get a prophecy that contradicts God's word? Well, it probably isn't a prophecy because, say, for instance, somebody prophesies over you and says you should leave church. Now, James, you've just given an example of, oh, I'm going to go to Salford, whether that was a prophecy or not that you should go. But Ben said, no, no, you need to be in church. And we know that planted in the house, they will flourish. So when something's spoken over you, but it's not in God's word then you know it's probably not a prophecy. So how do we pass the prophetic test? Because that's what we're talking about. So to pass the prophetic test, we need to hold on to prophetic words. Um, once you've tested the prophecy and it lines up with God's written word, hold on to it. Remember it. Write it down. There's been times when I've had words spoken over me and I've forgotten to write them down and then they've gone. I've forgotten about them. But it's good to write them down. And then you can go back to them later on and see them come to pass if they are truly from God. So a lot of you already know our story, um, but for anyone that doesn't, in a nutshell, we tried for a baby for three years um, unsuccessfully, but then um, Dave, our senior pastor, um, prayed for us this one night. We had a, a prayer evening and Dave prophesied that I would be holding a baby boy within 12 months. Now, obviously, <laughs> that is amazing to hear when you've been trying for th three years. So I hadn't, um, I hadn't known anything about prophecies before. I hadn't really had much experience of those. But God, uh, David prophesied. And previous to this, in those three years running up to this point, I had found verses in the Bible that I could hold on to to get me through that time of waiting. So two particular verses that come to mind were Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and increase in number. That's God saying, you know, I want you to produce i want you to multiply and have kids um, and the other one was psalm 37 4 delight yourself in the lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart so for three years among other verses but these two were ones that i kept on saying come on i know that you want me to have children and i know that it's a desire in my heart so i'm believing that it's going to happen so when dave prophesied wow that was amazing you know it's like right well is it does it hold up with what it says in the Bible? Well, actually, yes, because I know that God wants us to um, produce and, um, and it is a desire in my heart, so I am believing that this prophecy is true. And then we didn't have to wait too long because literally a week later we conceived. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, it took a few weeks to find that out, but it was literally the week after. So we knew that it was, it was, it was coming true. But in, pro in pregnancy, People who've been pregnant will know that you, you do worry. You do worry, like, what's going on in there? Is my body enough to keep this baby going? And, you know, is anything going to happen to it? And there was um, one night when I hadn't felt any movements for about a day, and, and that's quite common in pregnancy. Um, but the midwives had told me that because my placenta was um, lying at the front of my womb, that I probably wouldn't feel a lot of movements because the placenta was like cushioning the prods and kicks and that from the baby. Anyway, I had been feeling movements. And then this one particular day, I hadn't felt anything for 24 hours. So, of course, the worries and the panic start to come. And 
you phone the hospital and they bring you in and you get hooked up to all these monitors. And then Seth said to me, why are we worrying? Dave's prophesied that we're going to be holding this baby boy within 12 months. And it's like, flipping heck, why are we worrying? It's like, we know it's going to happen. We know it's going to be fine. And so every time after that, I, every time there was a worry, I batted it out saying, no, I know that God's got this. I know that that baby is going to be fine. And I'm just going to believe that. And so I just held on to that. <laughs> to sum up, um, if God gives you a word for you about your life, test it, check it matches up with what it says in the Bible, write it down so you can refer back to it, and then hold on to it and see it come true in your life. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.